Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. I've done kind of a split review for the Waco uh, analysis, kind of. Uh, I, I was uh, recording while I was doing the live stream, so I'm going to use that as a, kind of an opening and a, a bumper, as a, kind of a takeoff to talk about the Waco situation, um, the, the series that is. And then I had another podcast I recorded, and admittedly, I was pretty damn tired when I recorded it, so I'm not quite as um, impressed by the analysis and review that I gave on that one. I kind of lost a lot of steam and and energy on that one, but um, I might just leave bits and pieces of that at the end of this one as well, Um, so they might kind of touch on some of the same... uh, Uh, topics on both of that so it's kind of a double-edged review Um, I'll leave this in the show notes the live streaming uh, timestamps versus when the actual podcast I recorded timestamps so (laughs) if it sounds like I literally fell asleep at the end of this podcast it's because I was recording it at the uh, I don't know the middle of the night or something like that I was exhausted so uh, don't don't <laughs> bash me too hard if hell if you fall asleep through hell um, hopefully you get some good sleep or something but uh, uh, I I was like God dang I I feel like I was like like trudging along so slowly at the pacing that I was talking I was like this is going to be very difficult to get through for people that are already find my uh, my sense and style of reviews a little bit slow as is so um i I said fuck it i'm just gonna leave it in so yes here's the waker review sorry it's uh a little bit not quite as direct um but i'll leave it in the timestamps. uh what exactly are you listening to um so thank you for listening take it easy was was an interesting topic obviously to check out mostly because of the the real you know true life events of it and whatnot and granted i have not done any uh, research on it uh besides watching a movie review or two um sorry tv review or two but uh i'll go do go back and look a little bit more information and historical factual information so that we can uh, have some knowledge on it before jumping into the full review but uh, before before i kind of go into it and preface it um you know I'll do a little non-spoiler review here live so the movie essentially where is my bumping music no i thought i had some Okay, so, anyways, what were we talking about? Uh, Waco. The the series as a whole, I will say, without having really that much factual information behind it. Um, I, I want just the art. Where's the? Oh, flume. I like some flume. So, anyways, um. Without knowing too much factual information about the Waco situation, this series clearly is biased. It uh, it sides alongside the ball. Give me two seconds. I, I I feel like I need to have this in front of me. The Branch Davidians. Sorry. So, essentially, the Waco. The Waco series focuses on two aspects, and the two aspects that I believe that they're trying to tackle are the FBI hostile takeover and ATF, sorry, that's ATF and FBI, Um, and they want to be clear about who's responsible for what. So essentially, without saying too much, there is a siege on the cult of the Branch Davidians which is what ha- which happened in 1993 Waco Texas um, and so I'm trying I don't want to I guess spoilers feels like a weird thing to say about a historical movie but if you just don't know anything about it I, I don't want to go in saying this is what happens this is what happens this is what happens 
Um, but essentially, without going into too much detail about what, what happened... Sorry, I'm kind of going around the roundabout because I'm, I'm thinking in my head about how to say it without, you know, giving... Uh, I don't want to say spoilers because that just sounds... It sounds weird when you talk about spoilers or when you say that about history or something like that. It's like, well, spoiler alert. That's like, I don't mean it like that. I just want to say there's things that happen throughout the series that are very eye-opening, that are um, kind of uh, uh, biased. They are seriously biased in a way, but they also want to say, you know, maybe these people were not as crazy as they were, you know, put out to be. So the Branch Davidians, these, this cult that is in Waco, Texas, is ba basically being infiltrated by the ATF at the beginning of the series. And there is something really fucked up that happens when the, the infiltration happens. The first couple episodes are kind of slow moving when it comes to the actual the actual pacing of it but they what they're trying to do is they're trying to entrench you into the cult as if you are one of the people that are joining the cult so that you're you were kind of taking the the same side that david thibodeau took when he was being introduced into the cult so the two sides that you're looking at in this waco series are from the fbi's uh and atf hostage uh, negotiator played by Michael Shannon and the other one is the other perspective is essentially from David Thibodeau um, it's not 100% from his perspective but it's kind of from the inside the cult and then from within the in, in within the FBI and they are kind of flipping back and forth between those two about you know the uh, what actually happened at this uh, this uh, Branch Davidians uh, compound, and so I guess um, because I didn't have any, inf I, I didn't know anything besides there was a couple. There's a siege that happens up, up upon the compound, and I know that there's death that happens within the compound. I just didn't know to what degree or what caused it or who, what you know. Who to point the fingers at, and or, you know whatnot, and and it this series definitely complicates things, but it also says maybe the cult members might might not have had as uh, you know negative or contrary beliefs to what the FBI or uh, uh, the ATF were saying, and and I, I don't I don't know I, I I'm not really I, I don't have enough information to say whether or not whether they did or not just straight up siege the compound and you know uh, they mishandled the negotiations with the branch Davidians that led to the deaths of you know uh, families and so um, yeah it, it's difficult to say without going into really too much spoilers but i will say for the majority of the season i thought the season in overall execution of the the cult just like how how it works is is very interesting they definitely don't put david koresh in uh i don't think they put him in a shining light although they they kind of David Koresh is the cult leader of the Branch Davidians, and he is just a son of a gun. Like, I don't have anything nice to say about that guy. But Taylor Kitsch, as, uh, or I think his name is Taylor Kitsch from Battleship and True Detective Season 2, this guy acted his freaking ass off. I think this puts Taylor Kitsch on the map. I, I gotta say that Michael Shannon, I thought, was gonna steal the show. Or Shea Wiggum. I, I love some Shea Wiggum. He's a, he was in Boardwalk Empire. He was in Homecoming. He's he's like, a, a, I guess, is that considered a character actor? He kind of plays the same guy and everything, but he's just a hard ass. Um, but uh, they also have, do you remember the bad guy off of Barry season one, I think? 
the heavy set guy. Um, I don't remember his name, but he's in this too. So they they clearly put the casting in a light that you are sympathetic with the cult. I think that the prob a little bit of a problem with this movie. Sorry, with this show, it does feel like a six part six episode um, movie. Um, or miniseries, I guess. <clears throat> I think the this the sympathetic nature of how they're trying to paint David Koresh in a lot of it is uh, a tad problematic. But they also show cult members having a prop. They show a chunk of cult members having a problem with the way that he's handling the situation. Um, so for for anyone that wants additional information, I'm going to continue just talking about what happens throughout the series. <clears throat> this is more or less, uh, I'm going to talk about the last episode as well. So you could call it spoilers if you want to, but, um, essentially the, f the first five episodes are entrenching you into the, the cult members. The first couple episodes are, and then the mid mid episodes are, the sea, the first siege by the ATF, and then the second siege at the very end is by the FBI, and they're trying to be very specific with saying who wants to. Um, sorry, they're being very specific with with saying, you know, ATF is responsible for the first siege, FBI is responsible for the second siege. Excuse me. So, regardless, uh, the casting of uh, everybody in the in the Waco series was, I'd say, was really good. I think the majority of this Waco cast. Let me see: Michael Shannon, Taylor Kitsch, uh, Andrea Risenborough, Paul Sparks. If you don't know, who Paul Sparks is Paul Sparks is a. Uh, the, he was the writer in House of Cards that he was having, you know, he was he was the writer in <laughs> House of Cards. Um, what do we have? Uh, Roy Culkin. I was like, okay, so David Thibodeau. I was like, what's the deal with David Thibodeau? And he he he's the guy that we're kind of following entering in this cult. Now, I do feel like at. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? I just fucked up. Dang it. Is this a weed farm or something? What's going on here? So, sorry. David. Oh, I'm fucked. Oh, this is bad. Ah. Oh, dang it. That is not good. Not good at all. I'm gonna take this. Anyways, Roy Culkin. I was very curious about who the heck Roy Culkin was. Well, I I recognize his face before I recognize his name because I didn't see who he was at first. But I was like Roy Culkin. That name or the David Thibodeau with this this face. He just has that face. And so I was like, wait a minute. And it was it was the Culkin brothers. Uh. Macaulay Culkin, everyone knows him from Home Alone. This is uh, Macaulay Culkin's youngest sibling, Roy Culkin, playing David Thibodeau, who is the guy that's kind of being introduced at the beginning of the series to this uh, cult. It's very interesting. And uh, I'd say my only problem is he doesn't really ever seem to have... I don't know. His motivations feel weird. I know it seems like he wants to be with uh, what's her face, uh, Michelle Jones, I believe. But I'm not sure if that's ever really clear that he confronts David about it. I don't remember him ever doing something that was memorable in that manner. But anyways, that's uh, neither here nor there. Um, I do think that he he did a pretty good job of uh, 
being the proxy for the audience, I would have probably questioned a couple of his things. That, you know, I know that he kind of falls in love with Michelle Jones, but uh, I would have been like, uh, this isn't, you know, this is not cool. <laughs> like he's he's forced to marry Michelle Jones, but like David Koresh still is having sex with her and all the other women. And apparently David cannot, quote unquote, enjoy sex. He, he, he's taking on the burden of having sex for all the men. It's like, shut your ass up. Like, he said, the, the Michelle Jones is uh, played by Julia Gardner. A lot of uh, a lot of people remember her or know her from Ozarks um, on Netflix. And so Julia Gardner, she's, she's going to be a, a badass actress uh, for a very long time, in my opinion. I think that she, she has gravitas, like, She's tough, and she reminds me of, uh, what was the, Three Billboards Lady. Um, Fran she reminds me of a young Frances McDormand, I think. I think that she channels that, that kind of energy. It's, it's uh, very strong, very passionate about the things that she does. Um, and she, she holds the screen. My only problem with uh, the Waco series is I feel like they definitely put, they they dramatize it in a way that just makes it a, a, not laughable, but like pulls me out of the realism of the movie. Like there's this whole bit where, ooh, that was sick. Y'all saw that, right? I almost got that, got the skirt skirt. Um, I almost ran into the wall, I mean. Um, this is a nice car. I wonder if I can take it. So anyways. There's a few scenes that are a little, a little over the top, you know, like they happen to get at one point they show the the FBI and ATF or whoever is doing the negotiating negotiating at the time because there's a 60 day standoff or 50 something day standoff. Um, like I said, I need to go back and check my notes. Um, but the standoff it seems that they tortured the they I don't know about tortured is probably a strong word but they were apparently blast the FBI was blasting music and sound into the compound for 60 days during the nights that they were they were trying to get the Branch Davidians to come out because the first siege look, went so bad like uh they clearly made it that the ATF shot first. The first thing David said was, there's kids, there's women and kids in here. And he's, and they're his kids. Um, all the kids are his. Um, and so he, the first thing, that's the first thing he says to the ATF. And, and they just make it seem like the ATF just started firing into the compound. Um, and then the Branch Davidians were firing back. And it that's what turned into the shit show that, turned into the uh the hostile the sorry the uh what's it called the standoff between the branch davidians and the atf slash fbi turns over to the fbi and then um and then yeah the uh fbi ends up just torture not like i said torturing's a strong word but they they show at the majority of the time they're trying to keep the Branch Davidians up and, you know, loud music, random ass sounds. They're, they're uh, blasting loud, sorry, uh, lights in the windows and stuff like that. And they're tr trying to negotiate the kids to get out and other families. And it's like, ugh. It, it, it sounds like the negotiating went really rough. Um and there were a couple people that were trying to prevent a, a, a dangerous, hostile takeover of the compound. Um, the, uh, John Liguizamo. Most people are like, John Liguizamo? The guy that played Sid in Ice Age. You might, you might remember him from that. And uh, you, Oh, he was also in uh, uh, Blood... Bloodline? Was that what that was called on Netflix? I kind of forgot what that, the name of that show was. Yeah, Bloodline with uh, Kyle Chandler. Actually, the same producers as from Bloodline. So, uh, John Leguizamo seemed... To, he was the guy that infiltrated 
the Branch Davidians. And he was trying to tell the ATF that y'all don't need to go in, you know, arms blazing and everything. You don't need to go in heavily armed because they they weren't they were not going to engage or anything like that. They, they're, just, they're just families. But uh, the way they made it seem like the ATF just, you know, pushed the compound that, the, uh, you know, the Branch Davidians were defending themselves and that it really was a botched job botched job um, among other things so it was quite sad to see how the siege takeover at the very end happened this was the this was the last episode after there was that that little rock band scene at like episode five at the end of it the branch davidians they have a band or they have like a christian band kind of set in the background you know or little church you know uh, band kind of thing and uh, they happen to get enough I don't know electricity for about 10-20 minutes and they're trying to play music to drown out the absurd noises and sounds or whatever they're trying to blast into the compound while you know at night and so that was a little bit you know goofy but um, or just like fell out of place because david's like putting on like a a rock band concert with a, some sort of spotlight on him coming out of no you know coming out of nowhere and he's the fbi is like oh wow you know it was, it was like kind of random uh let's go find somebody um but anyways that last episode was the one that i decided that it definitely needs to be recommended i you know, majority of the time I would, I think if five out of six episodes are just, uh, you know, fine, but then that last episode hits and this all happens to be about, you know, a, a true story, I do find it a little bit, I, I bump it up in my ratings a little bit just because it makes it, a you know, that much more important to view, I guess, maybe. And, and you got to... You got to go into it, you know, knowing that it's probably biased. It's not, um, it's not word for word what exactly happened, but there are characters throughout it. Uh, the last two episodes, uh, I forgot his name actually. Shut up! I said shut up. What is his name? Um, Eric Lang plays Ron, Ron Engelman. We've seen Eric Lang in uh, Escape uh, Escape at Danamora and Narcos and even Lost and Unbelievable. Um, he's, he's a great character actor, I believe. And uh, he really transforms into all of his roles. Oh my gosh. This dude's name getting in shut. Anyways. Um, let me see. I can't think what he said. Hold on. So anyways, the very last episode contains Ron Engelman, uh, you know, explaining uh, the to the Branch Davidians and whatnot, or exp not explaining to them, but explaining kind of for them. He's a radio broadcaster and he has some sort of, uh, he knows about the Branch Davidians and he's trying to help them throughout the negotiation and Apparently, there was just really poor communication between the ATF and FBI and uh, all the levels of government and law enforcement that were involved in this. Um, that's why it feels like such a botched job, um, botched job on uh, the negotiating part or the negotiating of everybody and everyone listening. Um, uh, but yeah, so the last episode has the FBI infiltrating the compound of the Branch Davidians after about 60 days, I want to say. I don't remember exactly how long the standoff was, but I'll, I'll get the firm number. Um, you know, the kids were hungry. The mothers weren't producing milk. There's, you know, stress everywhere. No one's... The food is low, water... You know, supplies are low, and, and David's in there, and he's... He's telling everybody, I've got to finish this book of the seven seals, of the seven demons, of the seven seals. And it's like, 
the show knows his his ideals are bullshit because there's multiple times that the uh, Branch Davidians are trying to get their message out to the FBI. Play, they like play our message for live TV. Play it on the radio. We need to get our message out. And so every time the show plays the message, they're like, uh, they literally drown the sound out when David starts talking because they know the audience, you know, us do not want to hear it or know that it's bullshit. And that that's where I feel like it's a little bit skewed. It's like wait a second, I don't exactly understand all of your ideals. Like, who are you worshipping again? Like, he keeps saying God, and God talks to him and whatnot, but he can't do he can't do certain things till the certain seals are shown. I'm really curious about what this religion they were trying to, uh, you know, evoke, unless he was just crazy. I'm sure he was a, a level just crazy, but I want to know if there's any fact, you know, if there's, like, real factual information uh, that he was trying to glean from. But during this, uh, you know, every time he was talking about his ideals, they would, they would literally just, uh, you know, drown it out and go to the next scene or something like that. And be, it'll be like one hour later, you know, him still talking about the demons and the seals and whatever else. Um, but yeah, anyways, the very last episode is completely messed up. It's, all the characters that we've really cared about, especially the women and the kids and whatnot, um, that we cared, you know, to an extent, pretty much all of them are going to, you know, oh god, that's not good. Uh, pretty much all of them are going to, you know, die at some point. And so, the way that it happens is the FBI is apparently like, fuck it, we're going in. And they're, they're trying to the negotiations are over. They're going to infiltrate the compound, and they absolutely did infiltrate the compound. The compound was infiltrated by tanks, and the media was controlled as well by the ATF and uh, FBI in both sieges. The siege, the original siege, was the ATF. The second one being the FBI, and it, it, it's scary to see what was what was happening. And that they apparently were, were trying to control how much media was out, you know, watching all of this happen. And so, yeah, that that was obviously concerning. But from the media that was covered, there absolutely were tanks. Apparently, there were incendiary uh, smoke rounds or something like that that were not supposed to be placed, which basically means like uh, smoke bombs that can cause fires or something like that but anyways the tanks they they claim in the series all of this is claimed in the series this is not something i've confirmed or anything but they claim in the series that their tanks basically busted up into the compound and they had they had uh smoke attached to them uh and they were pushing smoke gas tear gas into the compound where the the families were the men and you know people that were armed people that were unarmed they were all getting smoked um and the fbi was apparently hoping that they would just you know run out of the compound you know because you know the mothers would want to be protecting the the kids and whatnot and uh that is certainly what probably would have happened but based on what they're showing in the series the tanks made it impossible for them. They destroyed parts of the compound where the families and kids were. Like they kept the kids and the families in like this like freezer um, area because it was uh, it was containing all of the sound for people. Uh, you know, at night, like I said, there was lights and there was uh, they were they were putting on major you know, lights and sounds, and so they were trying to make this little bunker area uh, for the kids and women to sleep in. But when they were in there, the tanks came in there and blocked the only entrance to get in there. And so um, the tanks essentially smoked and gassed all of the women and children in the compound. And, uh, and the Branch Davidians claimed that um, they had never, they were never planning mass suicide, which is actually exactly what the FBI said that they claimed to have done. 
and I don't remember the exact number. Like I said, I need to go back and check the number of lives lost. But this series clearly points the finger at, you know, both of those law enforcement agencies in saying that, you know, these these people are responsible for, you know, killing women, uh, men, women, and children. Um, not that David Koresh was not responsible in some way as well, but um, they are, you know, everybody should be held accountable for this. It's not just a one-sided job. And, uh, you know, the books that it's written off of David Thibodeau and Michael Shannon, it's, uh, it's probably the same perspectives uh, that this was based off of. Um, but yeah, Dave, uh, David Thibodeau ended up being one of the only survivors, I guess. What is going on in the background? I can't do that. Um, but yeah, the the last episode was truly heartbreaking. If that happened in any sort of way, like what what ended up happening with the uh, the tanks and the incendiary smoke bombs or whatever the heck they were using, ended up causing some sort of fire, which is intense. And I, I'm not I'm not sure if the negotiator Mike, Michael Shannon's character would would the real life guy would admit that they had said Gary Nosner Nosner um, I don't know if Gary would be allowed to say that the Branch Davidians never planned mass suicide so that that was the only thing what is this girl doing that's it that's it that's it that's it that's it so uh, yeah that that's the only thing about this uh this series is that it is extremely eye-opening at the very end of this uh the what's it, uh, i was gonna say the end of the review at the end of the series they have ron engelman the uh broadcasting radio broadcaster um, talking about all the other different times that law enforcement has done this. It's been a standoff, tear gas, bullets, death, or something like that. I don't remember exactly the line, but he gives, he, you know, names off about five or five to 10 different times or something like that. And there's, you know, footage from a, a couple of those as well, as well as the original series, I believe. Um, sorry, as well as the original footage um, of Waco what what there was left of um the footage so you know at the very end there's this you know kind of strong-handed uh message that you know the uh law enforcement needs to be responsible for it and they talk about fbi being in denial of it and it's like it's like and then coming to terms after uh an investigation or something like that so it's like ooh, like apparently they they had claimed they never used uh incendiary smoke rounds or something like that but then after an investigation they actually had used them it's like ooh, it's it it's rough now i i don't i'm not here to say what should have happened obviously we, we don't want death um but it, it was a sticky situation to say the least but uh, yeah, that's the that's a little Waco review for you. Um, probably that was a little bit longer and a little bit more rambling than you were expecting. But I just uh, wanted to get that off my chest. You know, I, I definitely feel that that series is uh, is probably worth a look. I it it was one of those series I didn't really want to watch at first because of uh, I was like I knew this is going to be an intense watch. You know, this, the series because of a. Uh, I, I had heard that, you know, the death and that there was, you know, women and children had died. And I was like, I don't want to watch this during COVID times. It's, it's too dark. But um, I ended up doing it and just pushing through. But it, it was um, it, it was dark. It, it was rough to watch at the very end. I, I, I was curious about how it was going to end. I didn't know the results and what was going to happen to Dave, David Thibodeau and... Are they both David Thibodeau and David Koresh? Is that is that right? Yeah, they're both David. But uh, 
yeah, that's uh, the Waco review. Hope y'all enjoyed both the Scoob and Waco review. Go back and check the VOD if you're interested. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Rush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing the Waco miniseries. Six episodes directed by John Eric Dowell and Drew Dowell. They premiered on January 24th, 2018 on the Paramount Network. The six-episode series documents the 1993 standoff with the FBI and the ATF. So before I go any further into this uh, uh, mini-series review, I just want to say and preface this by saying, you know, with respect to everyone uh, that is involved in the real historical events, I just want to, you know say that you know all of this review is done with respect and um i can definitely tell that this waco miniseries does have a pretty strong bias behind it so um with saying that the waco miniseries that was originally on the paramount network is now on the netflix streaming service and I'm sure it's just temporarily. I'm, it doesn't look like it's going to be on there full, you know, um, the entire time, or that it was bought by Netflix at this time. But um, yeah, the Waco miniseries is loosely based. I, I don't know if it's loosely based or if it's heavily based, but I would say that it looks like it's um, the majority of it does have uh, historical context in it about a cult that was breached by the ATF um, and FBI. And so there wasn't too much information I knew about going into this historical event. And so I was mostly interested in watching this because of uh, hopefully the historical connections to it and maybe just a little bit of enlightenment. But with saying that, yes, there is a very strong, heavy indication in the bias. So, with saying that, um, let me bring up the notes real quick. Two seconds. Okay. So, um, I have a few notes off the first couple episodes. But um, I will say, the first few episodes, one or two first two episodes are re- really introducing you to the cult and they're introducing you to the Michael Shannon character. So Taylor Kitsch plays the cult leader, David Koresh. Michael Shannon plays Gary Nosner, who is an FBI negotiator. Now, the first few episodes are kind of a slow build, slow cooker, um, kind of trying to entrench you in the world and kind of get you wrapped up around David Koresh's spell to, to understand why somebody would want to follow him into this cult. Now, um, I'm going to talk complete spoilers throughout this season. I will say, um, if you haven't seen it, seen or you're unaware of the historical events in this, I'm going to t- discuss that all um, in detail according to the miniseries as well. So um, I just want to preface that. Um, I think that the majority of this series is just relatively fine when it comes down to the the overall structure of it, you know, the the acting uh, I think the casting's actually really really strong, the acting strong as well, but it's the writing is not one of the strong suits and uh in some scenes I, I can clearly tell it just is not as well high it's not as high production as something like a movie would be. Now with saying all that, I will say that this six-episode series feels very much in the length of kind of a long-form movie in a way. Um, so I did like that. I did like the casting. I like the acting. The pacing um, is a little questionable at the beginning, but it really revs into gear once you understand the direction of where this is going. Um, 
the cons, like I said, the writing, I think some of the editing's a little bit, uh, you know, not its strong suit as well. Also, um, okay, so let me uh, hop into the notes for episode one. The SWAT team has a cold opening with busting in to showing them about to bust into the uh, Branch Davidians um, compound called Mount Carmel, I believe. And this is all taking place in Waco, Texas, obviously. Um, I, I did write down, looks like uh, somewhat of a, te- it does look like a television show as opposed to uh, a movie. Um, like, kind of a lower budget true detective intro is something that I noticed. I was like, I can kind of see where they're trying to go with this. Um, I was actually surprised by Michael Shannon and Taylor Kitsch being, you know, the prominent actors in, in this series. And Michael Shannon is not shown in any of the commercials in any of the marketing to my knowledge, um, that I saw on the Netflix material, at least. Um, Shea Wiggum, uh, obviously, he's another great actor. We've in both Michael Shannon and Shea Wiggum from Boardwalk Empire, and Shea Wiggum from other things as well. And they're both from other things, but um, both great actors. Um, Taylor Kitsch was someone I was not expecting to hit as well as he did. He is a fantastic actor, and he's really embodying this uh, uh, kind of sadistic character, sadistic but also somewhat charismatic cult leader but i know they're trying to manipulate you in the first couple episodes for the us to really understand why anybody would want to be entrenched with this cult but obviously there's some really fucked up things going on with it um let's see casually we find out david is the father of every kid in the compound just about and um he's also married all of the women and he's taking on the burden of sex for all the men. It's like, shut your ass up. Like that is that that was that was something that was bothering me a little bit. And so we have, uh, we have the cult. We have everybody that is in the cult. I think that, uh, the the actors that are within the cult. We have um Taylor Kitsch as David Koresh, who's running the cult. Andrea Risenborough as Judy Schneider and her husband Paul Sparks. Steve, who's played by Paul Sparks, Steve Snyder is, uh, I think they said he's like a theologist or something like some sort of, uh, well-educated something or another that used to live in Hawaii and him and his wife came to, um, David's compound after listening to a couple, uh, I don't know, audio books or something like that from his buddy. Um, they, they do go through in the first couple episodes to kind of try to emphasize that people are unsatisfied with their lives. And so that's why they would want to join the Branch Davidians. Now, this series is not really trying to convince us that David actually had a point. It's more or less pointing out that the government and law enforcement might have overstepped their bounds. Now, this is clearly a series that is not in favor of having, you know, strong military force and situations like that in this because it could lead to, you know, things, pretty horrible outcomes. Um, we got Shea Wiggum as Mitch Decker, excellent in this series. Uh, Melissa Benoist as Rachel Koresh, David's wife. Um, I, I really liked her. Um, Julia Gardner plays Michelle Jones. Um, Julia Gardner is on Ozarks is what a lot of people recognize her for. And I think she is just going to be a stellar actress when she's older. Uh, I mean, she's still, she's, she's still a fantastic actress now, but I think she's only going to get better. Um, Demore Barnes plays Wayne Martin. Um, he, he, he's, he's great in this. And then all the children, you know, they're, um, they're relatively children actors is what I'd say. Um, what else do we got? Glenn Fleshler has Tony Prince, who is running the FBI, um, negotiation stuff. And he is really uh, hard ass. He's the one of the, I think he's the primary antagonist and Barry who, which we've talked to, talked about before. Um, we have Eric Long Lange 
as Ron Engelman, who is the pod, uh, not pod, he's a, a radio broadcaster who starts to spout the ideals and possible inhumane rights that are being broken with what's happening with the cult in this siege. So by now, I would have expected you to have seen the series or you don't care about being quote-unquote spoiled on what happens throughout the series. But essentially, um, there are two sieges. And one is at one is shown at the very beginning, which is eps- actually episode, um, episode three. And then there's another siege around episode five-ish. I think it's five-ish. And... They have this uh, pretty disturbing takeover of this compound. And the use of force was just uh, completely... Uh, I don't know I don't know exactly what the what the right word is uh, completely mishandled misused I, I couldn't exactly say what the what the the right context is because it seems a little bit shaky about what actually happened um, at this compound because based on the miniseries it's showing that there was a fuck up on the ATF's part which was the first siege and then there's a fuck up with the FBI on the second siege and there were people along this you know road that were trying to stop this from actually happening and turning into anything bad the majority of the first two episodes of all the Michael Shannon stuff are him figuring out and kind of coming to the realization that military force is just too overbearing in a lot of these situations um and, and when it really comes to bear out in the third, fourth, fifth episode, even the last, um, there's that show of military force. And yeah, I definitely think that um, once things kick into high gear around episode three, I, I, do, I do feel like the first two episodes are just fine. They're, they're, they're just fine. I don't exactly believe everyone would you know be dancing around doing all you know for this wedding and everyone would be okay but it very much seemed that david was uh okay so john leguizamo is the guy that is infiltrating the compound uh as you know the undercover cop there's only one episode for him to really do that and we have to believe that david has already um kind of started to to infiltrate john leguizamo's um, you know, conscious saying that, you know, um, he's trying to kind of get under Liguizamo's, I don't know, emotional core to kind of really understand him, especially because with his, uh, his mother, uh, being diagnosed with dementia, I believe. And so, or, or the, not the actor, but the, you know, the guy he's playing. And so, the first two episodes didn't feel like a good interpretation of what this entire series was going to be. It did feel like each ep, they kind of went in like pairs. And with the exception of that last episode, I thought the majority of them slowly got a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And they kind of knew exactly what they're looking for uh, as a, as a show and as a piece. But at the very end, when it just hits on this, very visceral core of um you know all these families all these kids and all of this unnecessary death just seemed so senseless and i got vibes of i got small vibes of the the holocaust of seeing all of these kids and all these women and men and uh families and, and women kids and families uh, all of them um, you know, being gassed when the SWAT teams and ATF and the, the FBI are, you know, infiltrating the compound. Now, granted, they were the Branch Davidians were being looked at by the ATF for selling guns to, I think, an undercover agent. And they were already looking at David Koresh because he is married or he he has multiple wives and he's had sex with um, Michelle Jones, who I think was was given to him at the age of 12 by her father which is just sickening um 
And there are scenes showing that and how her family apparently was very much entrenched. Her family was very much involved in how um, the upbringing of the family was. And so you start to slowly find out all these different aspects about the um, about the Branch Davidians. We also find out about this one young man who we find in the first episode named David Thibodeau. And apparently... Because you've already finished this series, or you've you know, you're not too uh, you're not too worried about spoilers, quote unquote spoilers. I do think that it appears that they were leaning heavily on the David Thibodeau and the Gary Nosner books that they wrote, um, um, based in based off this uh, series because the majority of this uh, series is between their two perspectives. Now, David Thibodeau, a lot of people might not exactly realize where you recognize in this face. You're like, wow, this guy does have that kind of familiar face. Well, he is brothers with two other very familiar uh, stars. Um, he is the youngest brother of Macaulay Culkin and Kieran Culkin. Kieran Culkin being in Succession, Macaulay Culkin being in Home Alone. And so you're probably like, oh my goodness, that's why he looks like him. So, um, yeah, that that pretty much should uh, wrap that up as a, as a whole. But I do think that uh, my only complaint would be with David Thibodeau is I couldn't really, I was trying to figure out, what he wanted like I thought it was very clear what John Liguizamo wanted he kind of wanted Faith to come back because his mother had been diagnosed with uh, dementia and he you know if she lived a good life why would she be diagnosed with that you know and so that's what causes him to question Faith and whatnot so I wanted to see that in David Thibodeau I didn't feel like David Thibodeau is explained as a character of why he would actually stay there besides Michelle Jones. You know, throughout the series, he ends up having to marry Michelle Jones. And uh, kind of so that it would take take the heat off of David. Which is fucked up because David knows that he likes Michelle. And he's only letting him, David, marry Michelle, uh, David Thibodeau. Mary Michelle because um, he doesn't want the heat. And so we have Denny Gordon as a director as well, alongside John Eric Dowd, um, who directed No Escape. And I believe that is the only other movie he's directed this time. Um, oh, he no, he directed... Uh, let me see. No Escape, As Above, So Below, Devil Quarantine, The Pugsy Keep Tapes, Dry Spell, Full Moon Rising. Okay, like I, I really don't know the majority of those. Um, and Denny Gordon has directed other television, such as, um, let me see, looks like she was probably a producer... She's a director on Hunters on Amazon, Warrior, AJ and the Queen, Tom Clancy, sorry, the Tom Clancy Jack Ryan series for All Mankind, Goliath. So she's done a lot of television. Oh, Legion. I used to like that show, but it's not nearly as hot now. Bloodline. Okay. I, you know, mixed feelings on that. Let's see which one she did. Was not crazy about that. Season two. Yeep. Season one was the only thing I liked. So, yeah, Denny Gordon, she's been all through some directorial debut or she's she's had a lot of um directorial specials pop um my favorite would probably be legion um bloodline was okay as well but anyways back to waco i will say the majority of the season was very aggressively okay in my opinion and then it slowly started to unfold about what this was really about and seeing how the law enforcement treated them is just absolutely sickening it was uh, if if it's all real obviously i'm i've heard that they were trying to uh 
they were trying to get the press to kind of favor their side. They were trying to make sure, you know, there were select things that got out about it. The incendiary rounds at the very end of the series. Well, the the very last episode being, um, you know, the tanks that are infiltrating the compound and everyone's trying to get in. Um, and all of the kids, women, families are trapped in... Uh, I think it was like a freezer or something like that as they're being smoked. And so it just causes them to pass out as, from what I, I, I recall and obviously die, suffocate probably. Um, but if all of that happened, it's, it's incredibly difficult to watch and um, really absorb. Even the characters that I didn't feel like I was 100% emotionally connected to, I was just like, God, this is like really dark. And, uh, you know, most television and movies and things like that don't normally get that dark killing all of the you know the most innocent on screen but it is just really difficult and then we get this and then david and his other kind of right hand man uh played by i think his name is, is his name paul sparks is he is he right here yeah yeah paul sparks plays steve schneider and uh david koresh um they're kind of buddy buddy they they kind of take each other out but uh yeah the 51 day standoff is was just what seemed like a nightmare it seemed like the atf didn't sorry the atf handed off the siege that they had originally fucked up it, they had made it very clear that the siege was fucked up by the atf and then the second siege or this standoff was with uh the fbi and Gary Nosner was trying to do his best to make sure that it was a peaceful outcome, you know, peaceful uh, re resolution. And so the way it turned out was just everything but. And, uh, it, it, it just, you know, I'm kind of at a loss of words. It was difficult to watch seeing, you know, like I said, the innocence just taken away. If that's if all of this is true and they really did use incinerary rounds, um, you know, the broadcaster at the end is not wrong with saying, you know, all of these different situations, you know, standoff, gas, bullets, death, etc., and move on. It's a it's a little bit heavy handed with it. But I mean, I'm I'm not 100 percent opposed to what he's saying. And I'm, I'm not the one that wants to say <laughs> this is how, you know, negotiations have to be. But clearly, something happened at this Waco compound that is that was fucked up on all levels. And you know, if any of the texts they say at the end of this Waco are uh, true, you know, they do show. I think I think they show some true, you know, real clips, real life clips on there um, with the gas and people, you know, thing them getting shot at by SWAT team members and stuff like that. Um, it's intense and there needs to be like a, you know, check in power with all of that, especially, I mean, they, they said that they didn't, they didn't have any communications on the ground and the ATF had no idea they were firing into a compound, mostly full of kids. Um, but I don't know, it, it, it just bewildering and, you know, really quite, quite sad with, uh, the loss of death. Oh, sorry, the loss of life. Um, what else do we got to do? What else do we got to check? Um, alrighty. So, uh, yeah, that was the majority of the season. I had a couple of, uh, let me see. The cameraman is the one that is told he has to go get the help. Like it, I, I'm very curious if any of that is true. If this was all dramatized to the point, it's like, yeah, they had to get the cameraman to, to, to yell the ceasefire like I'd really doubt that I was surprised actually how David is shot in the middle of the series I was like holy shit we're gonna lose David here in a minute um there is some overacting in some of the scenes the you know the oh my god Karen that's my son it's you know there's very I don't know just not very well executed scenes with certain subplots that just don't work for me personally. The the mother was kind of a hit or miss on, on that for me. Um, 
And the way this is shot, it feels like we're supposed to feel sympathy for David and his seven seals idea of about him being a lamb and, you know, the people, the, the enemy is going to roll up to the gates of Babylon and stuff like that and demand you to be tested. Like, David clearly wants everyone to be on high alert and to kind of use their motivation through what you know of the seven seals to take you know the the other down basically um and yeah they shot mike this random guy that is trying to sneak into the compound at one point uh just shoot him cold-blooded murder like very difficult to comprehend that but i was like there's so many characters I don't really care about or know that are just getting taken out left and right. So they were very select with who they would take out, kind of. But not not that I'm, you know, I'm like, I need a bigger death count. You know, this is this is based off of historical events, so I can totally understand why you want the people that were attached to to live a little bit longer. Um, I did feel like the music is a little bit too campy for the stuff that was based on real events. I just feel like they try to dramatize it, like... David's like, I'm not giving up kind of thing. And the camera just like zooms in on him very dramatically. It's like, uh, I don't know if I, that that's where it kind of feels a little bit weird. Um, because I feel like the show knows that it's kind of ridiculous. The dying of Perry, Michelle Jones is father. It's a, I'd say it's a little strong out a little bit. Just, didn't look great to me in my opinion and then all of a sudden they start doing at the end of or the middle of episode three they start giving a day count like day two like oh my lanta like why is there a day count all the way and then i find out it's this the standoff um i did find it funny how they would kind of almost yada yada the the way that David would start talking about the seven seals with the seven horns and the seven hours or whatever the hell he's talking about. Um, I, I, I thought it was just like, clearly we're supposed to feel sympathy for David, but the filmmakers don't want to even go into a little bit of explanation about his religion or why it doesn't make sense or something like that, or how, you know, in what universe does he live on that he has these wives and, it is not in trouble for selling firearms. It's just like, what? He's not quite delusional, but he's he's very close to it. Um, let's see. Okay. I'm glad in episode four they addressed the lack of food and water. I didn't know if that was going to be a, a problem for them, but they're in the middle of like, but fuck nowhere. Huh. Okay, so um, I think it was Michael Shannon talking to uh, a kid or something like that. And Shannon is like, you know what? Let's go call your mother real quick. And the boy is like, we can't call her because you killed her. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, everything is so... Over the top and hand fist that uh, that's that's one thing I could not deal with. I just, uh, just it wasn't even the the line delivery. It was just like a boring ass line. Like be a little bit more creative. I don't know. Um, let's see. Culkin's mother breaking the last barricades. Uh, that was kind of funny actually. What's this? Michael Shannon's like, how the hell did you get in here? <laughs> um, let's see. So the Branch Davidians know they can get caught with the minor weapons violations and polygamy. Um, at one point, we see HRT mooning um, the cult members. Like, what the fuck is wrong with them? Like, did that really happen? I'm, I, I'm very curious. So the majority of the time, they want the press. They, The uh, Branch Davidians just want to spread their message, apparently. And they're willing to do it any way possible. And even away from the lawyers, um, or even a way for them to obtain lawyers at some point. Mm. 
Yeah. Do you know what this is gonna cost the taxpayers? Like, oh my man, just shut. But anyways, this uh series was very eye opening to kind of understanding what was going on with the Waco situation. I might do a little bit more further research and just add some notes in the description so that you can uh check out some things, maybe see if there's any inaccuracies that I can find. If I can't, then you know I'll I'll try to say that too. But um thank you for listening, thank you for watching Lucky Out Podcast. This was uh you know a relatively difficult subject to you know cover. It's not you know it's not exactly the happiest subject, but I think it is one of the more important subjects when it comes down to something, you know, quote unquote entertainment that has come out this year. You know, it's not perfect, it's definitely not uh, you know the best thing I've ever seen, not even the best TV I've seen this year. Um, but it definitely held my attention and I would recommend it a loose recommend if you want to learn about this um you know learn about you know learn about it or not but anyways um check out the social media um check out oh yeah sorry learn about waco on wiki or some sort of more factual um database or something like that you know that's that's basically what i'm saying Um, check out all the social medias facebook instagram twitch YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, all the distributors for podcasts. We're on the majority of them. Um, if you're having uh, uh, craving to ask some questions and see what we're interacting on, we're on Twitch. Sometimes give some reviews on there. Um, if you want the podcast early, you can subscribe to YouTube. If you want it in audio form, it'll be released on Tuesdays, generally on Tuesdays. Um, and yeah, we could not do this podcast without you. Thank you and take it easy.